BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing. If you're not aware, the world's changing. If you're not aware, you must be sleeping because obviously the world we're going into is not the same as the world that we're leaving behind. And I like to look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology to make sense, to make context of what's going on, but of course, more importantly, to understand what we should be doing to stay ahead of this to survive and thrive this. And of course, technology is the thing that changes the world, changes the way that we organize. And that technology that I like to focus on right now is the decentralizing technology of Bitcoin. Now, I like to bring to you some new education to help you think through things differently, to understand things differently, hopefully more critically of the information that we get, some of the latest breaking news headlines so you know what's going on. And of course, some interesting guests so you don't have to listen to my opinion all the time. And that's what I have for you today. I am in the studio with Nick Tartaglia. He is uh, the host of a podcast called New Gen Mindset Pod. You should check it out. But Nick, thanks so much for joining me. Of course, I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Nick, you were explaining to me um, that your podcast, New Generational Mindset, focuses on two things, wealth and sovereignty. Um, And I want to break those down. I like to use the word sovereignty a lot. Um, I use I use financial sovereignty a lot because I think it's pretty self descriptive. But a lot of people may don't understand what it is. So let's let's break that down first, if we can. So what does sovereignty mean? So if I look at it from my standpoint, or I go back to the traditional meaning from the classical liberalism period of time, sovereignty for me is a natural perspective that I am responsible entirely for my own pursuits and my own outcome in life. I wish not to delegate that task to any state or other individual. I want to be responsible for for the way I end my life in this world. So I need to build wealth. I need to build relationships and networks in order to ensure that my sovereignty is protected and sustained in this world. And that's how I see it. It's from an individual standpoint. It doesn't require the collective although the collective can help maintain its individual sovereignty, but sovereignty is an individual pursuit. And how, what can I do to, or what actions can I put forth in order to ensure that I do not need to delegate my responsibility or for my life to anybody else? Do you think that's a spectrum? 
Like, um, I mean, to be truly sovereign, does that mean then you have to make your own clothes? So yes, I know exactly what you mean now. So when I take the meaning of sovereignty, I take it more from an, um, I take more of it from a standpoint that I am willing to do what I need to do for myself, but I'm willing to delegate certain tasks that others can do more optimally than me. But where I do not believe that is the case is in terms of my finances and my wealth. That is something that I will not delegate nor wish to delegate because to control my wealth or my finances is to control my my abilities to eat, my ability to save, to retire, to go anywhere I want or to buy any asset class I wish. So I, in terms of everything else, of course, I'm dependent on others in a collective because it requires me to delegate certain responsibilities or certain tasks in order to optimize my own pursuits. But specifically in terms of finances and, and wealth, that is something that is... In, that is not somebody else's responsibility. So when you talk about um, delegating things like making clothes or growing food or something like that, like it's okay to designate that or delegate that out to somebody else because they're not controlling me yeah, through that. Exactly. If I want to buy clothes from this person, um, that person has no control over me because I'll just exactly. go to someone else to buy the clothes. You still have options and you still have optionality. And worst case, you hire someone to make it, you go somewhere else, you go online, you shop elsewhere. There are options. But the more you remove those options, the more self-reliant you become. So yeah, control would be a huge component. Those are things that you cannot truly control my sovereignty through those things. So then you're basically wanting to uh sovereignty would be um I like to think of uh, actually one of my favorite authors, F.A. Yeah. Hayek, um, his seminal book he wrote, which is The Constitution of Liberty. And in that book, he, he defined liberty as freedom from coercion. Freedom from coercion. That would be liberty. I, I like that definition. So um, freedom from uh, any constraint that would hold me back from being able to choose the direction that I want to exactly. move my life. As long into. as I don't pee on somebody else's life, let me live the life that I can to the best and the fullest I can. And you think uh, controlling your money is the best way to it's do that? It's one of, you know, my relationship with my money determines that the way I can plan for my future, the type of assets I can purchase, the, the, way, the, the people I can, how I can take care of my family and friends around me. And so, you know, to delegate that responsibility is simply saying that, well, others now have control over your life and your future, because if they lose it, if they mismanage it, if they misallocate it, if they waste it, well, you are dependent on that, on those dynamics. So if you're going to create sovereignty as an individual, if you want to become more financially responsible for yourself, you know, it requires a level of um, a level of growth in order to understand the world you're in, in order to make sure you allocate your capital properly and that you mitigate your risks by understanding the macro world, the macro world in which you operate. From an American to a Canadian here, you're exactly. a Canadian, right? Born and raised in Montreal. So from a Canadian to an American here, um, Obviously, the entire world was massively impacted by the pandemic, um, massively. And, uh, you know, many parts of the world might have been more free during that period of time than the United States, which is supposedly the land of the free. Uh, however, uh, Canada seemed to try to be on par with North yeah. Korea. 
pretty much. We have, uh, you know, your prime dictator, Justin Trudeau, on video. I've used clips of him praising China and praising their communism because it allows them to do things he's not able to do. Um, we obviously saw him taking actions that were basically on par with China. So how, how does it work trying to remain a sovereign individual um, under under some sort of like a regime or a political environment like that? So personally for me, as it goes, like during the, the, the pandemic and the that whole period of time, you know, we were locked down. We couldn't go out after a period of time. We can go out after 8 p.m. We couldn't see people. A lot of it was just, you know, being locked up and just indulging the internet and online. So for me, the biggest way to kind of maintain my sovereignty or to strengthen it was to kind of focus on my intellectual development. So podcasting was a huge thing because on a weekly basis, I got to, I got to have incredible conversations with people around the world. Um, I got to watch and observe market forces at a level I'd never seen before because, by, again, we spent hours just watching the world move and clash and behave. And uh, I got to start writing a lot more. And that, have, that heavily helped me develop my ability to articulate and observe things at a deeper level that I didn't before. So... It was more over the, it's more about currently an intellectual developmental process because of the fact that it, you know, you have inflation rampaging here. There's not many ways to protect your wealth. Taxes are going up here. Um, so if I can still focus on building my, my intellect and building relationships externally of this environment, I can still find a way to maintain or protect my sovereignty down the line. And in the process, of course, it's still making sure I allocate to an extent certain capital, you know, certain play asset classes that can help me get out of the situation, whether I leave or stay. Although granted, I'd rather leave this country, but so these are type of things that I'm starting to focus on, you know, making sure which asset classes I'm going to focus on, my writing and my intellectual development. And those things help me feel more secure in my sovereignty. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're sitting down with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about wealth. We're talking about sovereignty. And uh, we're going to get some ideas of what you can do to increase both of those things. Um, you know, I want to come back to the point about wealth and money specifically, because without wealth and money, you're constrained by your circumstances. So you're not constrained by people, but you're constrained by your circumstances. And so that's a different type of tyranny that most people don't consider. So we'll come back to that. If you're just tuning in, like I said, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, talking with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing. And you need to be on top of this because if it's changing, you need to be changing too. We'll be back with a whole lot more in a minute. You don't want to miss it. So don't go away. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy 
than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD or check out universalcoin.com slash markmoss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution. But this week, I am in the studio with Nick Tartaglia, and we're talking about wealth, sovereignty, and living under the uh, Canadian regime. <laughs> we're talking about that for a minute. Now, Nick, going back to that for a minute. So uh, you lived under, uh, under that, like I said, uh, from the U.S. looking up, I was like, yeah. dang, like... Both Canada and Australia, I'm like, man, why would you stay yeah. there? Why would you live under that when you don't have to? Uh, why, why would anybody choose to live under that when they could go somewhere else, right? Now, I think you highlighted that uh, part of that in, in, in that last question before we took the break. So I want to dig into that a little bit. So while that happened, you were locked down. You couldn't even exactly. leave your house. You chose to work on your writing your intellect and building up that some relationships podcasting i want to come back to that but uh basically the point was is that you weren't really able to leave that environment and go to a different environment because you didn't have the resources exactly. to do that so without wealth without money without the ability to spend or use your money you don't actually have exactly. any freedom yeah, like I was saying uh, before we went on the break, you know, I look at like freedom and like freedom is freedom from uh, both uh, in any type of circumstance that would prevent you from making a decision that you want to make. And so obviously a person, mm -hmm. so you can have tyranny of, of government, right? A person could prevent you from doing something that you want, um, but also just your own yeah. circumstance it could be tyranny of health, right? Your health doesn't allow you to do that. It could, which is why we say health is wealth. It could also be tyranny of of your own yeah. wealth, meaning or lack thereof, right? So I don't have the money to travel. I don't have the money to move. I don't have the money to buy a passport. I don't have the money to do whatever, right? 
So is that some of, I mean, did I frame that yeah, up? Is that exactly. kind of how you look at that? Because, you know, like as a, as a human being who believes to be, a, who wants to, or wants to believe in the idea of sovereignty as an individual. The thing is a lot of governments or a lot of states or a lot of people, they always talk about the sovereignty of a nation, but the sovereignty of a nation as a whole just means that the those or at the center, the central authority who dictates or controls that ecosystem or that society, it has its own sovereignty to do what it wants. That's not how I perceive sovereignty. It's not at a collective level sovereignty. It's at an individual level. So... The way I see it is that I'm not, I do not want to dictate my life based on man-made laws. I want to dictate my life based on natural laws and natural circumstances that I need to mitigate and circumvent. In order to do that, I need to understand the parameters and the dynamics that allow me to thrive in this reality. And regardless of what, regardless of which ecosystem I am born or raised in or live in, I must understand it in order to thrive in it. And if I cannot thrive in it, then I must change my circumstances. In order to do that, I must understand how to do so. And that's where the intellectual process comes in. You have to understand your, the world around you or else there's no development. To that point that you're talking about, I just put on Twitter um, earlier today, an hour or two ago. Um, if you're not following me on Twitter, you should just at one Mark Moss. But I put a quote from Ronald Reagan's 1981 inaugural ad address. So he was, uh, this was January of 81. He was being uh, brought in as president of the United States. And he said something that's, that's, that's used a lot. I was, I was looking up this quote, which is, uh, government's not the solution, government's the mm -hmm. problem. But I was trying to find what's the context that he's saying that under. So I went and looked up the whole speech and I read it and I clipped some stuff out of there. Um, but he was talking about um, inflation at the time. And he was saying inflation is not uh, fixed by the government, it's caused by the, by the government. But what he said is he said, um, from time to time, we've been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by self-rule and that government by an elite group is superior to government for, by, and of the people. So kind of to your point, we're not sovereign individuals. The government's sovereign to do what exactly. they want. We're not sovereign. And so he was addressing that in this uh, address here in 1981. We've been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by individuals. Exactly. It's too complex. He said, it's not a, uh, we should not, we don't need to learn. We don't need to understand. Delegate that task to somebody else and your sovereignty will be protected because you have a sovereign nation of a central authority who knows best. Yeah. And then he, he goes on to say, but... If no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone exactly. else? Get your own bed in order. And it's just like, boom. Yes, exactly. Like, none of us are smart enough to do this on our own, so then you're smart enough exactly. to do it for we us. We forget that the, 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 the central authorities, they're also human beings. They are no different than any one of us. The only thing is we seem to assume that the moment they enter this, the, 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 uh, that, that social entity, which is the government, which is no different than any other social entity, that automatically it assumes the responsibility to know best and to do what's best. And that regardless of what it does, it holds no accountability. And that it is the only thing that bestows upon us the reality of the economy, which again is a, mis is a fallacy since the economy is here regardless of whether the state exists or not. It is a natural reality given to us. Therefore, it is up to you to ensure your own outcome. And that's where the sovereignty comes in. So now let's go back to what you said. You know, you were in lockdown. You couldn't leave, unfortunately. Um, so you decided to pour into your own self yes. and to build up your own toolkit, right? Your own skill set. 
why did you choose that? Like, why, why is that? Why? Because I was someone's, I always enjoyed going out and talking to people and being around people and having conversations and just, you know, being outside and doing stuff. I didn't like sitting down and doing nothing. And the moment I was put in that environment, I felt as if I was going to be very unproductive and it was going to waste a lot of my time. And again, if you go back to the classical princes, uh, principles of a lot of Austrians and uh, classical economists, a lot of things like there's nothing more permanent than temporary government programs. And, you know, whenever the government in, it takes control. It has a hard time letting go. So in my mind, when all this was going down, I was like, I don't think this is going to last two weeks, as they said. I don't think it's going to last a couple of months. I think this is going to be something that's going to be reoccurring for a long period of time. And so that was bothering me heavily, mentally and intellectually. So I said, I need to find a way to to put my energy into something else that I never did before. And the only thing I could think of was starting to write. So I started writing blogs for my for my podcast, and that turned into writing a uh, one book on system dynamics and trying to understand the world I was in and trying to understand the the problems heading our way as a millennial who's looking ahead. And then after I decided to write another book after going down kind of like an Austrian rabbit hole, an economic rabbit hole on economics to kind of continue the work of those guys, of the Austrians and everything. And uh, I, I, I thought it was the only solution. Because I didn't want to feel unproductive just watching TV for two years, doing nothing. I thought it was going to be the biggest waste of my life. So I wanted to be something. I wanted to be proud of myself, regardless of the situation I was in. Yeah. So I mean, it was. I was definitely about being productive. Uh, to me, from the outside looking in, that's why I was asking the question. Is it's like what you also did though? Is you increased your knowledge, which also increased your um, your skills or your skill set. Um, and the more skills you have, the more knowledge you have, potentially the more sovereign you can be, because now you have tools and skills that can allow you to make income, uh, remotely or lockdown or something like that, as opposed to you didn't have those skills before. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about the decentralized revolution and how to become more sovereign with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about, um, how to deal with, with, with tyranny, how to become more sovereign. We've got a whole lot more to cover when we come back. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution each and every week, of course. And I'm in the studio with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about dealing with tyranny and becoming more sovereign. So... Yeah, you uh, you increased your skills, you increased your knowledge, um, and now you have more knowledge and you have more skills to go create money, whether that be podcasting or writing, writing books, writing blogs. I mean, there's so many things that you could do with that, which I think is which I think is super important. And it's one thing that I see, you know, so many people they they take this victim mentality where it's like, oh, what can I do? Uh, the state's just going to do do whatever they want with me, have their way with me. And uh, I'm just in my house and I can't do anything. So I might as well just eat Cheetos and watch mm-hmm. Netflix or something. Exactly. Right? I don't know if you have that in the Canada. Oh, no, I mean, during, you saw it during uh, Canada. Here, we were locking down gyms, but we had, but here, ironically, because I live in Quebec. So let's say, let's, I'm going to contextualize um, specifically my province. So the, the place that I live in, the state controls the liquor stores, controls the uh, marijuana stores, controls the gambling, but they locked down the gyms and they left everything else open. So you had a rise in alcohol consumption, rise in drug consumption, rise in gambling. You had all those, all while people were isolated. And by default, humans are social animals. They're not isolated animals that live alone. They they thrive in social environments. So we restricted our natural mechanics as human beings, and we fed ourselves all kinds of stimulants and distractions, all while believing it was a, the natural given right of the state to, to do this. So I think we've uh, we've been on this trend for a long time, and I think we're starting to see uh, most people, or a lot of people anyway, are starting to see how dangerous these ideas are when we give the state this much power. Um, I guess a two part question, kind of one: Do you see? Do you see like maybe in Canada, maybe in some of the harsher areas of Canada, was this like a maybe a waking up moment for a lot of people? Um, so if I if the way I see it is, I think. Well, one, Alberta is one example where I think they've kind of woken up because you have the new premier there. Uh, her name is Danielle. And she's been a real go-getter who's been getting a lot of uh, attention and fighting back against what the liberal government's been doing at a federal level. And then even for myself here, I've noticed a lot of people have started to regret their submission to these forces and starting to question why it is that why it is that their life is so void of dignity when the, whenever the government tells them what to do. And there's a lot of more curiosity people willing to have in conversation. Before, people were afraid to have those conversations, but it's become more open. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, again, because you have a lot of, like Montreal, for example, where I'm from, there's a lot of liberals, or if you go to the schooling system, they've been shut down left and right because of protests and for liberal progressive purposes. But 
there is a force that's starting to understand and wake up that there's, there's, this is not normal. And that if this cycle continues, that their future in this country is very hard to imagine, like it is for myself. It's very hard to imagine it here. So I've, I'm trying to find a way to get out. So, I mean, you think uh, get out, uh, get out and save yourself rather than stay and fight? Yeah, you see, I would love that idea. But then at, the way I see it is there's a point of no return at a certain point. That's how one, two, I have to, I also believe that Canada is very susceptible in terms of the way it behaves based on America. So if America doesn't shift, I think Canada is permanently finished because Canada is a heavily, is heavily dependent on what America does. So if the left or the progressive narrative dominates and continues to hold force, Canada and its governments have plenty of power to do so because there's no counterforce to it. We're not, we're like the little brother, the little sister to America. That's how I see it. So unless we have someone to show us the way out, I think Canada is too docile to find its own way out. I want to be uh, somebody to help and fight, but I also have to take care of myself and those around me. So there is a point where I say it's to be where we reached a point of no return and that um, I will try to do what I can elsewhere while trying to help because I don't want to be a, uh, but how much how much further can Canada take it? I mean, Canada's got no money. Yeah. They got no gold. I mean, they're broke. Yeah, they are. Uh, I mean, their institutions are caving in. Like, I mean, how much further can people, they go? People, I mean, people still believe in the delusion. They just took away gun rights. Well, the, the ability to purchase guns, and people thought it like everything they're doing. People find a reason to agree or to just say this is what it's part being of a society. Like the. What what does what does that mean? Did did they take away the ability to buy and buy, sell, sell guns, transfer guns, but not own them? So so if you already own them, you for keep now, what you have, exactly. but you just can't sell them. Exactly. Can for now, them. you can still own. You can still own if you've purchased them. Is it is it all guns or just handguns or just right now? It's only guns. handguns that they were going down for, but now they're trying to get into hunting guns. But that was just they backed out on that one because the conservatives were being a little aggressive on them. They just backed down. I think about a week or two ago, but. They they have the momentum because they keep doing what they want. And even the conservative side, like from, I just don't like politicians in general or the politics because I find it's just, it's a lot of wasted time and inefficient game. They're not actually solving any economic problems. They're just trying to be the hero to any special interest group. So, um, you know, it's hard to see Canada coming out of this positively since you know like you said we have no gold we have are we running on debt trudeau in this last four in his entire term has has incurred more debt on behalf of canada for canada uh, more than all the combined premiers in canadian history so it, you know it, it's just a downward effect of that's expanding exponentially now um you're you know one of the things that you like to study and talk about is free yes. markets and comparing free markets to socialism and communism, exactly. things like that. Why, why do you think a free market is uh, is favorable or, or better than a socialist well, or a communist One, I think that it is by natural law, the only environment by which sovereignty could be honored, whereby individual consciousness can evolve and grow, whereby individuals can feel dignity and purpose, uh, whereby we can make meaning to our own lives without having to feel confined or caged or feel safe and become a meaningless uh, variable in the in the time of history so free markets to me is merely a reflection of human behavior or if i look at any kind of economic system it's merely a reflection of, of uh, individual behaviors socialism is like a paternal relationship 
it's all about your safety, doing what's well for you, but there is no room to grow as an individual in that space. Free market is the only place whereby trial and error makes sense, where boom and, si- boom and bust cycles can lead to growth and innovation, where you can mitigate past errors because you understand them and you can learn from them. If you are in an environment where there's constant uh, delegation of responsibility, delegation of learning, delegation of uh, of actions that need to be taken to a central authority, the market itself of individuals, which is where you you create prosperity as a collective, cannot grow, cannot evolve, cannot innovate, and cannot build its way out of it and cannot do it in a way that's sustainable for each generation after itself. So if uh, the free market, which I would agree, is uh, is so much of a better system than socialism and communism, can it outcompete it? I believe it can if it is given the space to compete. I just, but the thing is, there's so many forces, primal forces that are against this. You have the educational system that's against it. You have the tech industry that's against it. You have the government that's against it. You have uh, military organization, uh, military and political and um, uh, police organizations that are against it. So it it starts. I mean, given the free market system, it all takes. It's about empowering the individual. So it can compete with it if the individual or enough individuals are empowered to understand that if they themselves do not stand up and fight back, there won't be no free market for them to thrive in or to produce their own outcome. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week. I'm in the studio with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about sovereignty. We're talking about wealth. Now we're getting into free markets versus socialism and communism. And we'll come back out on the other side. we got a lot more to cover uh, in this last segment. You don't want to miss it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back talking about communism, socialism, free markets, and if they can win. I I tend to think they can. So we'll find out. We'll be back with all that and more in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm in the studio with Nick Tartaglia. We're talking about sovereignty and wealth and Canada and tyranny and free markets and so much more. And I was asking the, the question about um, if we, if you think free markets could outcompete a command economy, socialism, communism, et cetera. And uh, you said that uh, you, you know, only if it's given a chance to compete, because otherwise with politics, they can just crowd it out. And, and that seems to be what big government, big businesses are, are doing. Um, but the problem is that those models they're built off of don't work. So don't we just naturally outcompete them because they just crash on their own? Yes, I agree. But then I also have to, so then what I would do is I also overlap the whole, so there's a saying that says, you know, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men, uh, soft men, soft men create hard times. And then the question becomes, at which period of that economic cycle are we, on, are we at in relation to which weighted behaviors are dominant in the ecosystem? So the state can thrive because of the fact that a lot of people are ignorant. So like when I heard you talking back in the RIC conference, you were talking about the parallel economy where people can find ways to compete by the same kind of products by providing a different set of values and conditions to the market, adding value in a different way. Well, that is elevating their their, their consciousness, understanding that they can compete, but it take they have to take it in their own hands. So when I say it has to be given, we need the opportunity to compete. By that, I mean simply solving the issue of ignorance. People need to be aware that it's up to them to make this happen. And if they want to delegate, like if they say, well, I want to be free, I want sovereignty, I want wealth, but I'm not going to do it myself or I need someone else to do it first. Well, then <laughs> I want to do it. I want to do it myself, but I don't exactly. want to do it myself. <laughs> you know, so that's the point is we all want it, but nobody seems to want to do it. So for me, it's a matter of aligning the actions with the intent. And there's a gap there. And that ignorance is where the state dominates because if we're ignorant and we don't do it ourselves, then the state can keep you know, pushing down on us. Yeah. Well, and the state controls all the education. Exactly. So they have the upper hand. Yeah. You know, it's interesting where, to your point, I think most people just don't want the responsibility that comes with it. And if you look at, there was a Dr. Desmond uh, Mateus, he did the work on the um, mass formation psychosis. And he talked about how, um, in this mass formation psychosis, um, where the masses basically go along with this whole thing, he talks about how there's 30% of the people at the top that are just going to go along with that. And there's 30% of the people at the bottom that are always going to resist that. And there's the 40% in the middle. And like, that's what's up for grabs kind of a thing, right? Like, which side do they get influenced by? And I think maybe not the exact same numbers, but but similar in life, we can see that the masses don't know what they want. The masses don't even care. And the masses are not willing to put out any effort to learn or to improve. And so really the world is being driven by the edges. And we can see that, right? I mean, uh, 
I see in Canada, you guys are doing like a legal legal uh, suicide oh, yes. now, right? Euthanasia so they're they're whatever, supporting right? that for the um, for veterans because I guess the way they argue is is it's easier to just give them an easy way out than actually care and provide the real value. But the thing is, when has government ever been an efficient entity to solve any kind of socioeconomic problem? It never really has. But yet, as a culture, we we delegate those tasks to it. So they end up finding easier ways to just solve those problems. Ah, uh, you know what? We can't seem to do anything. People are begging for it. So let's just give it to them. Now they're talking about um, lowering it down to kids as young as 12, I think, and then doing it like with no like uh, parental approval. And I think about that and we have plenty of other stupid and sick policies here in the United States as well, transitioning kids without parent approval, et cetera. And I just think like, what percentage of the people want that? Like, come on, really? Like, what percentage of the population really wants to see men go compete in women's mm -hmm. sports? Like, like nobody really wants that, right? It's being driven by the exactly. edges. But people right. are afraid. And so while that's while that's on one side is discouraging, it's also encouraging. We don't need the masses. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. So we only need we only need the, as uh, one of the United States founding fathers said, Samuel Adams, it doesn't take a majority to prevail, rather a small, irate minority. Exactly. And so we see, you know, things in the grocery store, the the kosher and the gluten-free and the organic. It wasn't everybody that wanted those things. It was a small group. So we don't have to convince the world, right? We just have to get a small group of people. Is that exactly. kind of how you see it? The thing is, if you give the right if you give the right circumstances and conditions to certain people, or you give them the space to do what they need, or you evolve their ability to understand the realm they're in, you can empower them in a way that will make them understand why they need to set fourth actions that ripple throughout the ecosystem, positive energy from an economic standpoint that changes the the path on which we're on. Because if you don't, because at the end of the day, if you empower the individual, by default, you end up empowering everybody else. Because you know it's like a team, you are as weak as your link, weakest link. If you empower the weakest person in your society to be independent, to thrive on it to or figure out a way to thrive on their own, then they will be a force to reckon with. And then you feel that energy, you can feel that, that desire to thrive and to be purposeful, they become more like a lion rather than a sheep. And then you, everybody else around you gets that same energy and that vibe, okay, I need to be like that too. Yeah. Do you think it's something though, where like, most people are just going to continue in the path that they're on until the pain gets high enough that they're forced to change. Like I use the example all the time. Like I grew up going to chiropractors. I believe in, in chiropractic. I believe that our spine should be in alignment. Um, I believe all those things, but like, I don't really go unless I'm in a lot of pain and the pain has to be high enough to be, uh, to, to clear out some of my schedule. Otherwise I'm too busy. Kind yeah, of thing, I get what right? you mean. Like, or, or drug addicts, right? Like they don't, they don't want to go to rehab until they hit rock bottom, which is usually, uh, a, a more of a rock bottom than most of us would, would put up with. So like, it, you think that's the case for most yeah, people? Yeah, I do. I do. A lot of people, a lot of people are too safe or secure, or they're too stuck in a routine, or they're too afraid to respond. I know there's a saying, I forget who it's by, one of the greatest fear of mankind is responsibility or self-responsibility. To be responsible is a scary thing because it says that if something goes wrong or you fail or whatever, it is on you. It is not on anybody else. It is because of you. But the thing is, through failure, you learn. And through the learning process, you build your consciousness. 
The thing is, we thrive in an environment where people are, are fueled or empowered because people are weak. So your weakness empowers me to, to tell you what to do. So I, you know, I think that is a part of it. It's, it's sad. What it now, now, but, but kind of like we were saying, we don't need no. the masses. We don't need the majority. We just need the small, irate minority. So, um, you're in a younger generation. How do you see the younger generation responding to this? Do you think we'll get enough of the minority to get irate about this and push back on the edges? You feel positive about that? I'm in the middle of this because I haven't been able to contextualize the, the, the force of it yet in the sense that it depends on the, it, whether you're looking at a province, whether you're in Canada or the state, United States, how much force they push back. Because the way I see it is like in game theory, you have different pieces on the board. And now the question becomes which entity or which collective entity of individuals ha is able to in a force or push back or mitigate its primal threats. Now, the, the, the collective hysteria of, you know, of the left or progressive or of those that like to obey the, the state or the politicians, they are the dominant force. But the thing is, the opposing force is too afraid to speak up or too afraid of the backlash or too afraid to speak their mind. So they do not create a counterforce to the other side. And the other side is very emotionally, intellectually weak. They just have the, 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 the crowd. But the thing is, the moment you have a select few of individuals who are strong enough to oppose them or push back or make them understand understand that they are a primal force, there's something to come of it. But the younger generations, they're not, we're not leaders. At least I don't see them as leaders yet because of the fact that we're born in this environment that's very privileged, especially from a Western perspective. We're very privileged with what we have, but we also like to complain about everything, even though we're extremely privileged. I, I don't think it's in us to do it because we don't have role models anymore, or at least there are some, but we just don't know where to find them. So I think there's that kind of gap in the marketplace to see that shift occur. We'll take that as a challenge, yes, exactly. everybody. We've got to wrap this up. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I've been in the studio with Nick Tartaglia talking about the decentralized revolution and how we can push back on this. You can find him on Instagram at Nick Tartaglia. We'll link it in the show notes below. Uh, that's what we got today. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.